Chapter 5 of Sam in the Suburbs by P.G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5. Painful Affair at a Coffee Stall. London was very quiet. A stillness had fallen upon it, broken only by the rattle of an occasional cab and the footsteps of some home-seeking wayfarer. The limp light shone on glistening streets, on pensive policemen, on smoothly prowling cats, and on a young man in a shocking suit of clothes whose faith in human nature was at zero. Sam had now no definite objective. He was merely walking aimlessly with the idea of killing time. He wandered on, and presently found that he had passed out of the haunts of fashion into a meaner neighborhood. The buildings had become dingier, the aspect of the perambulating cats more sinister and blaggardly. He had in fact reached the district which, in spite of the efforts of its inhabitants to get it called Lower Belgravia, is still known as Pimlico, and it was near the beginning of Lupus Street that he was roused from his meditations by the sight of a coffee stall. It brought him up standing. Once more he had suddenly become aware of that gnawing hunger which had afflicted him outside the oyster restaurant. Why he should be hungry, seeing that not many hours ago he had consumed an ample dinner, he could not have said. A psychologist, had one been present, would have told him that the pangs of starvation from which he supposed himself to suffer were purely a figment of the mind, and that it was merely his subconscious self reacting to the suggestion of food. Sam, however, had positive inside information to the contrary, and he halted before the coffee stall, staring wolfishly. There was not a large attendance of patrons. Three only were present. One was a man in some sort of uniform, who seemed to have been cleaning streets. The two others had the appearance of being gentlemen of leisure. They were leaning restfully on the counter, eating hard-boiled eggs. Sam eyed them resentfully. It was just this selfish sort of epicureanism, he felt, that was the canker which destroyed empires. And when the man in uniform, worrying of eggs, actually went on to supplement them with a slice of seed cake, it was as if he were watching the orgies that preceded the fall of Babylon. With gleaming eyes he drew a step closer, and was thus unable to overhear the conversation of these Sybarites. Like all patrons of coffee stalls, they were talking about the royal family, and for a brief space it seemed that a perfect harmony was to prevail. Then the man in uniform committed himself to the statement that the Duke of York wore a mustache, and the gentlemen of leisure united to form a solid opposition. He ain't got no mustache, said one. Certainly he ain't got no mustache, said the other. What? inquired the first gentleman of leisure. Made you get that silly idea into your head that he's got a mustache. He's got a small clipped mustache, said the man in uniform stoutly. A small clipped mustache? A small clipped mustache. You say he's got a small clipped mustache? Ah, uh, a small clipped mustache. Well then, said the leader of the opposition, with the air of a cross-examining counsel who has dexterously trapped a reluctant witness into damaging admission. That's where you make your ready error, because he ain't got no small clipped mustache. It seemed to Sam that a little adroit diplomacy at this point would be in his best interests. He had not the pleasure of the Duke's acquaintance, and so was not really entitled to speak as an expert, but he decided to support the man in uniform. The good graces of a fellow of his careless opulence were worth seeking. In a soaring moment of optimism, it seemed to him that a hard-boiled egg and a cup of coffee were the smallest reward a loyal supporter might expect. He advanced into the light of the naphtha flare and spoke with decision. This gentleman is right, he said. The Duke of York has a small clipped mustache. The interruption appeared to come on the three debaters like a bombshell. It had on them an effect much the same as an uninvited opinion from a young and newly joined member would have on a group of bishops and generals in the smoking room of the Athenium Club. For an instant there was a shocked silence. Then the man in uniform spoke. What do you want sticking your ugly fat head in? He demanded coldly. Shakespeare, who knew too much ever to be surprised at man's ingratitude, would probably have accepted this latest evidence of it with stoicism. 
It absolutely stunned Sam. A little peevishness from the two gentlemen of leisure he had expected, but that his sympathy and support should be received in this fashion by the man in uniform was simply disintegrating. It seemed to be his fate tonight to lack appeal for men in uniform. Yes, agreed the leader of the opposition. Oh, I steal to shove in. Come and stick in his head in, sniffed the man in uniform. All three members of the supper party eyed him with manifest disfavor. The proprietor of the stall, a silent, hairy man, said nothing, but he, too, cast a chilly glance of hauteur in Sam's direction. There was a sense of strain. I only said, Sam began, an oarskdioto, retorted the man in uniform. The situation was becoming difficult. At this tense moment, however, there was a rattling and a grinding of brakes, and a taxicab drew up at the curb, and out of its interior shot Mr. Willoughby Braddock. Get a cup of coffee observed Mr. Braddock explanatorily to the universe. End of chapter 5